It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Gregory T. Angelo, president of the New Tolerance Campaign. Uh, all the news that I'm sure many of you have seen of drag shows being presented to children, the the ongoing public debate over uh, Disney's opposition to the Florida ban on teaching gender reassignment to five-year-olds, the age is important there, and a lot more issues on the table. But before we go to you, Gregory, I want to give the audience a contrast between two presidents, which is in many ways a contrast between two parties. The story that's out today, supported by the fact sheet, President Biden signed in a historic executive order advancing LGBTQI plus equality during Pride Month. The same president who won't go to Saudi Arabia during Pride Month, that's my view of it, I'll put that aside for the moment. Biden versus Trump, and actually party versus party. Trump's history prior to being president, philanthropic work over the years on the AIDS crisis, uh, previous support factually wanted to change the Civil Rights Act to include a ban on discrimination based on sexual orientation, uh, supporting gay couples having the same rights and protections as straight couples long before he was president. First private club owner in Palm Beach, Florida to admit an openly gay couple and in other countries during his presidency, And during Pride Month in 2019, he launched a global campaign to end the criminalization of homosexuality uh, and also spearheaded by Rich Grinnell, former U.S. ambassador to Germany, openly gay member of the administration, who also served as acting director of U.S. national intelligence, becoming the first openly gay member of a cabinet in our history. So contrast in pronouncement versus actions, even prior to presidencies for both men, Biden versus Trump, and where we are today on on June 16th, where the White House is pushing this historic executive order. How can it be historic when there are no actions to back it up, Gregory? Well, David, I had come at this issue from a very personal perspective, because I had the honor of serving as a political appointee in the Trump White House myself. I served as the press secretary for the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. We worked to keep illegal drugs out of the country, secure the border, and connect people who are suffering with drug addiction in the United States with care and treatment. And you know what? My sexual orientation was never something that came up during the course of my interview process. Insofar as it did, it's the fact that I was previously serving as the president of Log Cabin Republicans, the country's organization of gay Republicans across the United States. Um, But I was hired, not for that reason, but on the merits of my qualifications and my talents. Now let's look at the bigger picture. I had long said during my time at Log Cabin Republicans that Trump was the most uh, pro-gay president in United States history. I stand by that claim. And Biden certainly hasn't surpassed him at all. The difference between the two is that Trump's support of the gay community was effortless. It was not through a lens of identity politics. And if you want to talk about this historic, quote unquote, executive order that President Biden signed yesterday, the only thing that's historic about it, David, is that it tramples on states 
rights. The Biden administration declared war just by the, the flick of a pen on states that duly passed laws and their state legislatures to protect children, to stand up for parental rights, and, and laws that, in my estimation, are not attacks on the LGBTQI+, whatever that is, community. Um, so, you know, it, the contrast is that you have one president in Trump that supports everyone, that doesn't look at people through the lens of identity politics. You have another President Biden who only looks at people through the lens of identity politics and also shreds the Constitution in the process. You know, that point about the state's rights, so important. And as you know, Gregory, for the many years, I've known so many members of uh, the log cabins. Uh, Andrew Breitbart and I stood side by side with you guys when there were some who would not uh, add inclusiveness. This may even be before you and I knew each other. Uh, but you know, so much to this about individual rights, not identity politics, people being who they are. Rich Grinnell, another person the Democrats won't even admit, but yet someone who had such a profile and effective professional performance in his position for the administration. But your point about states' rights uh, is important here. And protections for children— and I started where I started with a contrast, and your context added into that is important. But when you bring this down to the core of this, it's about protecting our children, K to three children, who should not be instructed by anybody on gender and sexuality, uh, uh, being fed or pushed in any way towards uh, hormones, puberty blockers. Uh, you know, various other things and these these shows I, you know i got to ask the question of a uh, you know of one man to another for any child out there if someone comes and starts teaching your 5 year old about something that 5 year olds don't even have the ability to understand what do you do you, you know, I, I have to say, David, the reason I reached out to, to you and your producers to come on the show today is because I wanted your listeners to know that not all gay people uh, are represented by these drag shows, by educators uh, who seem hell-bent on sharing their personal lives with uh, five, six, seven-year-old children. For so long, the gay community was maligned as child predators, coming for your kids, deviants who will corrupt and convert your children to the so-called gay lifestyle and going back even farther uh, you know the gay community uh, fought for decades against this harmful stereotype in the early 1970s right after stonewall and the start of the contemporary gay rights movement uh nambla the national man boy love association actually fought to be included in gay pride parades and and as part of the greater gay rights movement and gay activists at the time uh, rightfully and loudly said absolutely not uh, you know, I fought against this harmful stereotype, you know, for years, as you know, while I was at, at Log Cabin Republicans. And I'm just aghast to see people in the in the LGBT community choosing that teaching children about gender reassignment surgery, exposing kids to highly sexualized drag shows, taking kids to pride parades featuring nudity. That's the hill they're going to die on right now. Well, I don't want to be a part of that. And I know many reasonable uh, gay Americans who don't want to be a part of that either. I think it's I, I wanted to come on your show today to make sure that your listeners were aware of that.
um, you know, in answer to your question, what do you do when, uh, you know, when, when your, your child might be in a, in a classroom where this is taking place? Well, I guess the good news is we have, you know, outlets on social media like Libs of TikTok uh, that are exposing what's happening in schools. But I think this is just a greater call for more parental involvement uh, in the lives of their children. You know, we've had uh, a degradation of uh, the family uh, that I think has been exacerbated in recent years with the rise of social media. Uh, but it's not too late. I think, you know, there's still time for parents to be more engaged and to ask questions. And going back to that Florida legislation, the parental rights bill just just allows parents to be more in control uh, and aware of what their children are learning. I, I don't know. I not only supported that legislation in Florida, I think it's model legislation that should be enacted by other states across the country. And in, in a good fashion, Gregory, as you know, about a dozen states uh, now have similar uh, and in different stages, similar uh, legislation being proposed and the, the to the point of model legislation, the Florida bill outdoes even some of the others that I've critiqued because it keeps it clean and on the issue, uh, which just legislatively, no matter what the issue is, is a good idea, makes it easier to see proper alignment of values uh, from people all across the spectrum. Uh there, there needs to be, Gregory, some more coordination to stand up to this, whether it's uh, the way they try to portray this, that all members of the gay community support this. I know and you know that, for instance, Dave Rubin has been another outspoken uh, national yes. figure against this uh, indoctrination or I call it a perversion of children of young minds. Uh, and I'm also concerned about parents. And there are many parents who are doing this to their children. So how do we, how do we organize, Gregory? How, how do we, as, as a community of Americans, organize more effectively to shut this down? Because when they do this to any kid, one kid, and sometimes every day, and they go after them with materials and literature in the form of children's books. Uh, I mean, this is this is dangerous for the young kids in our country. Yeah, I, I think that there's a value in stigma. <laughs> you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, if we allow this uh, culturally to become the norm where uh, exposing kids to you know, highly sexualized content, age inappropriate content, is something that just becomes allowable that, that, uh, you know, people of, of, of goodwill and, and of faith, like you, you and I turn a blind eye to, well, this is going to become something that is culturally accepted. It is going to become the norm. I'm encouraged right now to see, you know, people of, of all spectrums, gay, straight, whatever the case is standing up against this and, and realizing that this is not the direction they want to see the cultural winds in the United States blowing. Uh, but I think we can't, you know, we can't, um, you know, rest on our heels. We have to make sure that, you know, we keep pushing this message out there. When you look at the landscape for what it is during an electoral season, and it, it is certainly uh, a wide landscape, uh, what do you think would be effective or some uh, some ideas, Gregory? We'll flush this out. We always do. Uh, for candidates out there to speak to parents and, you know, bring them into the discussion? 
Well, there's a great contrast that can be had right now between Democrats and Republicans on on this issue in, 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 in particular, but more generally, parental involvement in schools. I mean, we already saw this happen last year in, in Virginia, where, you know, Glenn Youngkin said that parents should have a say in their children's education. And Terry McAuliffe, uh, you know, amazingly said, no, parents should not have any say in their children's education. And I think people are in general agreement that that differentiation is what brought Glenn Youngkin across the finish line, because it wasn't just Republicans who were aghast that Terry McAuliffe said parents should have no say in their children's education. Uh, it was it was many independents and even quite a number of, of Democrats. I think that, you know, Democrats are really, you know, losing the, the very loose coalition that they had put together. One that, you know, to go back to your first question to, to me, you know, is really the foundation is identity politics. But when your foundation is identity politics, everyone is really fighting for for their piece of the pie. It's not a a cohesive movement. So, you know, I think, you know, Candidates across the country, Republicans across the country, conservatives across the country uh, should push push this issue in debates on mailers, uh, you know, in, in the news, force the Democrats to answer if they think it's OK for four and five year olds to be brought to drag shows at one in the morning. If they think it's OK for uh, second graders to go to pride parades featuring nudity, uh, if they think it's OK for kindergartners to learn about gender reassignment surgery, make them squirm. And you know, you know they're, they're either going to say yes, David, or most likely they're just gonna squirm and pivot and, and give a non-answer. We're on our side, we can give a very clear answer to parents out there and even would-be parents, people who want to be parents and say, yes, parents should have a say in their education. No, children should not be sexualized. And yes, we need to get back to a culture in the United States where parents are more engaged with their the education and the lives of their children in, in their day-to-day lives. Well, I think it's salient advice, important. And again, to, to your points, Gregory, draw those contrasts clearly. Keep it very direct. Uh, and, and your point about would-be parents, you know, every day in America there's a couple having a discussion uh, uh, of what they want to do with their future and building a family. Right. And uh, I think you're the first guest uh, on this or any issue related to this that has brought up that important point uh, that as you make those plans, you know, what do we typically do? You talk about future and wow, what's it going to be like? And you think about the education of uh, what will be your offspring. Yeah, and, and you know when 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 young people right now in their in their their mid twenties, late twenties, are getting married, thinking about where they want to move, where they want to start a family, do they want to move to a school district where uh, if their three or four year old talks to their nursery school or kindergarten teacher and says, you know, I'm a boy, but I think I'm a girl, that teacher will keep that secret from the parents and allow that child to. Uh, it exists under a, a female identity as, as a four-year-old? Uh, do they want to move to a school district uh, where the school does not tell them uh, what type of books their children are reading in, in the second grade, what type of books that they are uh, featuring in, in their school library reading list? Or do they want to move to a state where they know that uh, they will actually be informed of what their children are learning, where, where they will have a say 
in the education of their children, where their rights as parents will be recognized instead of abolished. Um, you know, when, when state le- legislators are actually looking to create, you know, welcoming environments, grow their economy, build their population, you know, I think this is an issue that, uh, as, as I said, doesn't just resonate with parents today. It's people who are, you know, thinking about starting a family in the next two, three, four, five years. And so you increase the, the number of people that are engaged on this issue. Well, I like the work you're doing at New Tolerance. It's important. My guest, Gregory T. Angelo, president of the New Tolerance campaign at newtolerance.org. Uh, real tolerance in America. Our diversity exists. I say that so often. That's why we're being attacked and put in boxes instead of the phony tolerance uh, by those out there who would change not just our children, but our society. Uh, good work, Gregory. As always, you step up to the plate. Thanks very much for having me, David. Always happy to come back. Thank you, yes, and we'll have you back. Thanks, everybody, uh, for uh, putting this together. Uh, as Gregory reached out, we, we've got to have these uh, these conversations in the Republican values the American values that we need to uphold. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.